0: around the world, the spirit is moving and a voice is being heard. Welcome to The Voice of Evangelism with David Langford. You can write to The Voice of Evangelism at PO Box 502, Kaiser, North Carolina, 28020. We'll give you that address again at the close of today's broadcast. But here now is David Langford. Hello, friends. Pastor David Langford here today. We'd like to take the opportunity to welcome each of you to this edition of the Voice of Evangelism International Ministries. Today is Monday, and we welcome you today, and we greet you in his most holy name, our Lord's name, the Christ of God, Emmanuel, God with us. Isn't it great to know that God is with us no matter where we might find ourselves? He's a loving, compassionate Savior. He loves us. He died for us. I've been praying and asking God where to take me in the next series in ministry teaching. And I believe we're going to start in Romans chapter 5, chapters 5, 6, and 7 to try to help everyone understand salvation is bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. There is nothing, nothing in this world, nothing whatsoever that can atone for sin but the blood of Jesus Christ, solely the blood of the Lamb. Anything else, putting your faith in anything, anything you've taken away from what Christ did on earth. The cross. And there, regrettably, are those who do that today. They put emphasis on this. They put emphasis on that. But if there was any other way than the shedding of the blood, Christ said, if at all possible, let this cup pass from me. And so in Romans 5 and 1, Paul said, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to understand you are justified by your faith in what Jesus did. And if you believe, and I'm going to teach this as I begin to just elaborate on it a few moments today. If you believe, if you believe anything in your life that you've done, someone has done for you, Anything that you are uh, believing in saved you. Your faith is terribly misplaced. This was Martin Luther, the revelation, the 95 theses. He nailed it to the church there in Germany, and he became a Protestant. we, We get the root word is protest. Martin Luther protested. He protested. Then, that's where we get the name Protestants, because we protested against Catholicism. And there's something else I've learned about that, because she's the mother of harlots. She's the mother of harlots. I find many people, if they are not careful, because they've been in Catholicism, a bunch of rules, this, that, this, that, and another. You'll fall back into the same thing under the auspices of Protestantism. But you're doing the same thing that you would have done or were doing in Catholicism. The Catholics teach, if you're not water baptized or christened, you're not saved. There are those in Protestantism who teach the same thing then the shedding of Christ's blood was in vain. It takes the blood to atone for soul. And it is a metaphor, it is a Hebrewism, it is a symbolic, Revelation 1-5, unto him that washed us from our sins in his own blood. I mean, we don't actually see red royal crimson blood, washing a spiritual garment for us in the natural. That's not, we don't do that. We don't do that. That is symbolic. Having our our wedding garments laundered, washed in the blood of the Lamb. I really believe after the Spirit has been, I believe, directing me to teach that you're going to really enjoy because chapters 6 and 7 of Romans is very hard. It, it's, it addresses the entirety of the flesh. And that certainly makes people very, very, very uncomfortable. I want to remind you of our weekly television program each Tuesday night at 10 p.m., each Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m. on Christian Television Network. That's Channel 376 on Direct Television That's channel 267 on The Dish Network. Again, each Tuesday night at 10 p.m., each Saturday evening at 3 p.m. Direct Television, channel 376, The Dish Network, channel 267. Now, in about uh, two or three more months, we're going to cancel the Saturday evening program. We're encouraging everyone to DVR, Make sure you get the program, and then we're going to go, we believe, trusting God for another open door on a large, large cable network here in the United States where we can reach 100 million homes. <clears throat> and as I was in prayer this morning, I reminded God, it's all about souls. He knows that, but I want him to know that my heart is in winning souls for Jesus, the Lord's Christ. So that's, 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 the, that's the goal the money that we're spending on Saturdays, we're going to apply back to another network. I'm believing before it's said and done, God will help me to get the message. Inundate the, tr- the, 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 the world right now because there's a famine of the Word of God. There's a famine of God's Word when it comes to television ministry. You hardly ever hear a preacher even use a Bible verse. They're all life coaches, make you feel good, help you to get through life. Listen, that's what AAA does for people. Jesus transforms people by the power of his precious blood, and that's what the voice of evangelism is all about. So, again, like I said, after about uh, four months, we'll do away with the Tuesday afternoon program. We're just trying to get uh, visibility, I reckon, would be the word that people can see and hear us. And then once they get locked in, uh, then we'll move on to another another station. And also, those of you who cannot get the TV ministry, the following week, we'll be posting our TV programs on our website. So those of you who are not able to get us, uh, we're going to be putting up the next week's program uh, or putting the existing week up the following week on our TV internet website through YouTube, so you'll be able to see it if there'll just be a one-week delay in the process, amen. We're soon going to be closing out on our teaching, Preparing for the Darkness, and uh, before we get into that today, I want to play a very, very, very simple, you might say humble, contrite, and meek song. It's by the Tribute Quartet, in my personal opinion. The man singing is not a great singer. He's a good singer, but not a great singer. But what I I, I feel in this song is truth, truth, and simplicity. And that's, my friend, is what we need to get back to in this hour, is truth and Simplicity. Listen to the words of the song by the Tribute Quartet entitled, I Call It Home. Somewhere beyond the grave There is a land where Jesus went to prepare by his own hand. And for the saved by grace, there is a resting place. back home again And things will never never be As good as they've been But I have good news for you Oh, in heaven comes One glimpse and you know the best. Just go ahead and let me keep dreaming on should be our desire. Call it home. Some call it paradise, he said. Whatever. It means simply to be in Christ for all eternity. And for that, I am very, very grateful and thankful for redemption. Colossians 1.14 In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. According to the riches of his grace, we have redemption through his blood. Amen. Well, I hope you like the new background. It's easy to change them, about $15 a sheet, but it does a a, a different look when we put up these back boards, whatever you want to call them. So I hope you're liking the new stone look. We had brick up. It's still behind it. This is what you call fake formats. <laughs> there's not really rock behind me. It's just a banner, but it looks good. Amen. But we're not, we're not fake news. We're not fake gospel. Here at The Voice of Evangelism, we preach a pure, unadulterated word from God because there's no room for compromise in this hour. We concluded last week Addressing the fact that the church seems to be terribly asleep. It's as though we are literally dead. I use the verse in Ephesians 5 and 14. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Now, you keep hearing all of the rhetorical jargon. You know, last year was COVID. By the way, we're still hoping to have a conference this fall, but till they lift the mask mandate entirely, I just don't feel like it would be wise to come and try to have a conference. But if our Democratic governor would lift it, we would have a conference. So be praying to that in September, October, or very, very early November. But as we concluded last week, the church is asleep. And you hear a lot of hyperbole, a lot of rhetorical jargon, this is the end. Let me say this. There's a reason Jesus said, as it was in the days of Lot, as it was in the days of Noah. I want you to think about the few that were serving Elohim Genesis chapter 19 the destruction Genesis chapter 6 the noahic flood Now I want you to I want you to realize how small the remnant of God was It was it was Abraham started off negotiating with God at 50 45, then he went into increments of 10, 40, 30, 20, 10, none righteous. Of all the seed in the earth during the days of Noah, Noah found grace, Noah found favor in the eyes of God. That's why I keep telling people we're not there yet. There are millions of people in America like you and I who love God they're faithful they're diligently they're diligent in, in their walk with God we're we're going to go into a time friend God put this in my heart years ago when you see the full-blown age of Sodomy in America know that it is near even at the door now who would have believed in the 8 years of Obama the demise the declension of this nation and the magnitude of it same-sex marriage. The Supreme Court adjudicated the 14th Amendment and changed it. But now you're beginning, you're, you're, you're seeing all of this stuff come out, more and more evil. How about the guy, I don't know who he is, I, I don't know the name, I just read the article real quickly, who put human blood in the tennis shoes uh, for Nike, and they're selling the, the, the devil's tennis shoes and the their six six. You see, you're going, to, you're going to see more and more and more and more of this stuff as we get near the time of the end. But right now, right now, we're not to that point yet. We're getting there. It's bad. It's evil. I watched a video the other day, a lady in Israel. She's very upset. And this gives a little credence to those who, prophecy teachers a hundred years ago that said they didn't believe the mark of the beast would be worldwide. It would only be in the kingdom and dominion of the Antichrist. And so those prophecy teachers a hundred years ago, 75 years ago, there were those who taught that the mark of the beast would be a limited area, specifically that where the Antichrist will rule and reign. And they took that from Genesis. Uh, excuse me, Revelation chapter 16, verse 10, and the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seed of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain. And there were those who taught a limited parameter of the Antichrist, and the mark of the beast. Because we know according to Daniel chapter 11, beginning around verse 41, 42, the king of the the, the north is going to push against him. So he won't be ruling the entire world, because if he did, why does he have an opposition? Why is he facing other military might and power trying to overthrow him? See? So there is a little bit of Justifiable reasoning concerning the Antichrist and his kingdom, and the, and those saying he will not rule the entire world. See, but again, Genesis. Uh, excuse me, Daniel eleven forty four. But tidings out of the east and out of the north shall trouble him. So he doesn't control them, because if he did, they wouldn't be coming against him to oppose him. Some other military might. So there there may be some legitimacy in the fact that years ago, Bible prophecy teachers taught the mark of the beast would not be worldwide, but only in the kingdom of the Antichrist. And they took that again from Revelation 16, verse 10, where his kingdom is filled with darkness. See, that's the same kind of darkness and judgment that came on Exodus, on Pharaoh's kingdom. So there in Israel, it said there was light in all of their dwellings, but the rest of the land was filled with utter darkness. So I'm not here to argue the point. I'm just saying it does lead uh, to an element of credence, truthfulness, and that there might be limited uh, territory, grounds, whatever, of the Antichrist in the sense of the mark of the beast. Don't know? I know we're almost getting snared in our world, but the video I saw the other day of the lady in Israel was tore up because they feel locked down. you got to have a vaccine passport, all of those things. And, And by the way, you know, there are some people out there that are really crazy I mean I'm talking crazy. Some lady called the office the other day and sa- asked my wife has Pastor Lankford took the vaccine. Wanted wanted to just flat out ask did did I take the vaccine. All right, look at me closely. Watch me. I have not taken the vaccine. I will not take the vaccine. They will put a bullet in my head before I take the vaccine. Nobody's going to jab me. If they hold me down, they strap me down. That'll be the only way. I'm going to fight them tooth and toenail. But to call and ask. And, you know, you, you have these people out there who are purveyors that this is the mark of the beast. It is not the mark of the beast. If it is the mark of the beast, please tell me the name and the number. Of the beast. You've got to reconcile those scriptures. But see, they can't do that. So this is what is hurting the church and causing darkness to come into the church because people are trying to say this and this and this, and it's not. To say the four the four horsemen of the apocalypse are galloping when it takes a day's wages to buy a loaf of bread. It doesn't cost a a day's wages right now to buy a loaf of bread, does it? Hello? Now, I can point you to a time in my grandparents' lives that that was probably close to a reality in the Great Depression and in World War II. Food stamps, uh, I, I should say rationing stamps for food, certain foods, Shoes, gas. I remember my grandma showing me this, the stamps, rationing stamps for certain things. Folks, it's been 80 years ago. Everybody is, is so full of hyperbole. I read just the other day, Drudge Report, don't worry about asteroids hitting the Earth for another 100 years at least. And they identified one of the asteroids as Apophis. We've been told Apophis is going to strike the Earth 2029. There there, there is so much being said, it disturbs me. And that's why I told you, when Trump was not reelected, I learned something about myself. I I say this to everyone and I try to practice what I preach. Do not go through something and not learn anything from it. If you do, pardon my crass expression, but you're stupid. If you go through a grievous ordeal and you don't learn anything from it, there's something wrong with you. Don't go through something and not aggregate collectively learn and draw from that so it doesn't happen again. See, that's what I learned about myself because I too wanted Donald J. Trump to be reelected. Oh, how badly I wanted that. And you had all these guys prophesying that and women prophesying that. Well, today's April the 19th and Donald Trump's not in the White House yet. Because it's not going to happen. I don't say that to be ugly. I don't say that to be demeaning. I'm I'm preaching to myself. But I said this, and I'll say it again. The Biden administration will be more covert and more secretive than Obama's administration. I mean, the guy has to have pictures on paper to know who people are. (laughs) Think about that. He just cannot stand there and take questions and do a good job. What does that tell you? Kamala will be in there before his term expires, and it will go downhill even worse. I'm trying to preach and teach and keep us all in a balanced dietary program of God's Word, trying to keep you pragmatic concerning the time of the end, what's going on, I, I don't want you out here in, 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 a, in a frivolous storm of hyperbole concerning Bible prophecy. And I keep telling you, people won't listen. These guys are in it for the money. It's all about the money. And furthermore, they say, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, this meteor, that event, that this event. But they're not going to be here because they're pre-tribbers. So why bother to teach on something that it has no application to anyone's life at all? Oh, there's a reason. It's the almighty dollar. That's why we are so adamant, unyielding, and asking for money. I'm just not going to do it. That's a slime pit. That is a slime pit. And I'm not going to go there. God supplies the need. The Bible says. Now I can go out here and buy a half a million dollar house and put myself in debt and say, Now God, you help me. Sup- you supply the need. Now, when I never had that need. That was not a necessary need. Something somebody wanted. You know, I've been praying a lot for the last six, seven, eight months about the TV ministry. Not, not about recognition not about notoriety, not about making a name. It's about telling people the truth concerning the time of the end. So in Ephesians 5 and 14, Paul says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. That tells me the Holy Spirit of God is going to come upon the body of Christ and that the latter glory will be greater than the former glory. But the church has to awaken. Can I ask you a question? Do you believe the church is truly awakened right now? I read last week for church membership is down 50%. 50%. Now you're getting into the part where Paul said, that day shall not come, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, our gathering together unto him, 2 Thessalonians 1, 1, excuse me, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Then he says in verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come. What day shall not come? Verse 1, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together unto him. He said that day's not going to come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Now listen to what I'm saying. There must come a falling away. COVID may have been one of the implements used to get people off track. Whether I'm able to go to church or not does not affect my my prayer life. I pray no matter what. I read no matter what. I fast no matter what. Whether I had a church to go to or not, it's not going to deter my love, my devotion, my discipleship to Christ my Lord. No, sir. Matter of fact, I get more in my prayer closet many times than I've gotten at churches because nobody's praying and fasting and seeking God for a Holy Ghost service when they get there. They want the preacher to do all the labor. We just want to come in and, 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 and give us you know fluff and stuff, cotton candy, ice cream, all of these flippant, worthless things. But when I go to church, I expect, for God to show up and for God to move. I don't want a form of godliness and denying the power thereof. If you're sitting in a church where the Holy Ghost never moves, you got issues in the church. So the church right now is asleep. But I believe a great awakening is coming. And as I said in the beginning of this program, when Jesus came comes, he told us it would be as it were in the days of Noah, as it were in the days of Lot. You might say there was one family saved in Genesis 6, another family saved in Genesis 19. Lot his two daughters. Noah, him and his wife, three sons and three daughter-in-laws, eight souls were saved. That's not a whole lot, is it? But I believe the church, the body of Christ, can change the course of a nation, of a government, of anything, if we press in and we seek God. If we do not press in, if we do not press in and seek God, we're never going to see what we should see. Reminds me of the, the, the man during Katrina, he's a Christian. He's a believer. And the flood water has risen. He's gone up into the attic. Now he's on the roof. Somebody comes by in a little boat. Get in. He said, no, no, God's going to save me. Guy goes on. Water's rising up higher on the roof. Somebody came by in another boat. Get in. He said, No, he said, God will save me. Okay, and the guy wrote on. Water's almost to the peak of the roof. Helicopter comes. They holler out from the helicopter and the megaphone Take hold of the rope. No, God will save me. Helicopter flies off. Guess what happens to the man? He drowns, he dies. And when he got to heaven, you know what he asked the Lord? He said, Lord, I thought you were going to save me. I thought you were going to deliver me. He said, I tried. I sent two boats and a helicopter. You wouldn't get on any of them. See, that, that, that's the cynicism of people. What do you want God to do? Like Elijah, send down a chariot of horses and a fire and, 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 and put your little self in that and take you off? God sent two boats and a helicopter. And the man says, I thought you were going to save me. God, my friend, will do things you cannot imagine. And he'll do it sometime. It is so simple. It it is so simple, yet it is so divine and so marvelous. Marvelous. We see that word in the New Testament. Marvelous. Marvelous light, Peter said. So I'm trying to get you to understand there are a lot of things that are taking place that are mere signs, indicators, telling us all the lateness of the hour, how short time is in essence. The older you get, the the shorter time is. You see the brevity of life. You, You see it. You live it. Seems just like yesterday. I was in high school. Now I'm in my 60s. Where did it go? Time is passing by quickly. And the church, because preachers will not preach with conviction. You know, I, I prayed this morning. God, help me to preach and teach with great compassion, yet season it with Conviction, or let me, I said, let me preach with conviction, but let it be seasoned with compassion, compassion, but the convicting power of the presence of God must be in us. It must be in us. So when we proclaim the word, there's conviction on that word. And when it goes forth, therefore it cannot return void, Isaiah 55, 11, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and prosper in the thing whereinto that I send it. This is why preaching the word of God is so powerful. This is why it is such a need. It is such a must. We must Preach the word of God, because when we preach that word, that's God's word, that's not man's word, that's thus saith the Lord, it will not return void, but it accomplishes that, which pleases God. You see, uh, we, we ought to be living a life that pleases God, for without faith, it is impossible to please him. If we don't have faith, then we're not pleasing God. Hebrews 11, 6, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. You've got to have faith. And, and, And if we don't have faith, if we're not exercising our faith, then there's no way we are able to please God. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. This is why some people never receive anything from God. They don't diligently seek God. They seek God haphazardly. They seek God casually. They are are mundane. They are casual with God. There's no genuine reverence. You know, they they go in there to to pray and they get a text. They quit praying and answer the text. Now, I know some of you real spiritual people would say, well, maybe God was texting me. Well, I'm not saying he can't do that, but the devil knows how to get somebody to text you while you're trying to pray and seek God. You see, we we have to shut all of this out of our life. We have to shut this stuff down. We've got to get in the Word. We've got to bathe our minds in the Word of the Lord. And if we're not bathing our minds in the word of the Lord, we're not growing and nurturing in Christ as we ought to. So the church, because of preachers' failure to preach a pure word, the church has gone asleep. There's no doubt about it. We're in the Laodicean church age, church dispensation You got a lot of people, folks, that say they're Christian, but they're neither cold nor hot. They're lukewarm. But see, to be lukewarm means you're lost. Well, now, wait a minute. No, Jesus said in Revelation 3, 15, 16, I know thy works, thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that work cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will... Spew thee out of my mouth. See, God's not going to receive, neither will he accept. Lukewarmness, tepidness, indifference, backsliders. God's not going God's to be a part of that. He's just not going to do it. Yet people want to bring God down when God is trying to bring us up. He's trying to bring us up into the heavenlies and be seated with him. In his son, Christ Jesus. But you cannot lift up carnality into the spirit, the kingdom of God. It won't work. It can't happen. Uh, the, the lately, it's just been rolling and boiling in my spirit. We are spiritual beings having human experiences. God showed me that 20, 25 years ago. And lately, he's been reinforcing that in my mind. And there will be those who say, well, I disagree with that. Well, to prove that you're wrong, was Jesus a human being or a spiritual being? He was a spiritual being, but he became human to understand human experiences so he could be my and your high priest and understand everything that we go through. There's nothing he does not understand. That's why Hebrews 4, 15 says, for we have not an high priest, which which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So he, Christ, is a spiritual being. He needs to have a human experience to understand every one of us. So he comes and he's incarnated, the incarnate Christ made flesh to understand David Lankford And when I pray and I say to the Father, You know my heart. I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to go there. Jesus, as our mediator and advocate, understands exactly what I'm saying. Why? He was in all points tempted like we are yet without sin. He did not sin, He was not a sinner. He was God, but He took on the form of a man. So when I have a bad thought, Christ knows what that means. I have a bad feeling. I have a bad emotion. I didn't want it. I didn't desire it. It was a fiery dart from hell. So Jesus fully understands that, thus he's able to extremely, greatly, magnificently intercede for every one of us. He says to the Father, I know, I understand. I not only sympathize, I empathize. I put myself in their place. That's what he did when he came to the earth. He put himself in your place. Did he not take your place on the cross? He paid sin's debt for you. You were lost. I was lost. I was backslidden away from God. Jesus took on the form of a man so that he could fully understand. And then when we pray and we say, oh, God, Father in Jesus name you know my heart you know my soul you you know I didn't mean to go there you know I didn't mean to do that the father is forced to understand through the son i hope you get this today god understands loneliness jesus knew what it meant to be alone he 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 knew every pain, every every everything that a human being goes through, he knows what it means to fast for 40 days and never eat a bite of food. God does not need food for sustenance. But as a man, he needed that. We, we don't understand. I'm telling you, we don't understand who God is, and, and we've quit trying to understand. You know, when the Nicene Council tried to define God, they got into grave trouble. You can't define God. But you can walk with God and understand more about God. You, you can get close to God and, and understand his deity, his majesty. You can also understand his feelings towards us. I, I, one of the great things that God did he created a type of a family. So when we pray, we say our Father relationship. He, he wants us to understand He knows about our humanity. And He did that through Jesus. Jesus on his knees. Father, if at all possible, let this cup pass from me. That is the relationship between a son and and the father. I'm not going to get into the the trinity or Jesus only or none of those things because they don't even understand. They want to think they understand, but they really don't understand. When you understand Revelation chapter 5, when you get that Jesus went to him that sat on the throne and took the book out of the hand to him that sat on the throne. You understand there's somebody there on the throne, but you don't ever see who it is, do you? No man's ever seen God. How can God make such statements, and yet we see Jesus Christ? Oh, there's the revelation. Jesus is the manifestation of God. Yet we're told in in, uh, in Exodus no man can see me and live. We're told in Deuteronomy 4.15, he said, I didn't let you see who I was, lest you try to make an image or likeness of me. Anything that a human being could make is certainly not in the image and likeness of God. John tells us in John 1, no man's ever seen God. Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, 16, no man's ever seen God. What, is, what are they talking about? They're talking about the part of God that is in every neutron, proton, electron, every nucleus, every atom. God is in everything. You can't just see God in one thing. He's in everything. But when we see God or are allowed to see God, we see God as Jesus, the Lord's Christ. And as, and as you press in in your walk with God, The revelation, the knowledge, the understanding, it it grows exponentially. You you, you begin to understand there's more to this than I've been taught. There's more to this than people really want me to know. (laughs) Yeah, buddy. You start pressing in with God and you get revelation, the nominal church will hate you. They will loathe you. They will despise you. Well, who do you think you are? Ephesians 1, 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of the inheritance and in the saints. That's a mouthful. The eyes of your understanding being Enlightened. In other words, God's trying to illuminate our minds. That illumination comes by being in the presence of God. You see, when the, the understanding is opened, uh, that's how we perceive and know and are able to understanding because it's knowing. Now we know. You've heard me quote it, Luke 24, 45, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. It takes the Holy Spirit coupled with God's word. See, the revelation is there in the word of God, and the Holy Spirit brings that revelation to life. Some men don't ever get anything from God because they're not a God chaser. You've heard people say, I've been a Christian for 30 years. You've had a one-year experience over 30 times. You didn't keep growing. Ephesians 1, 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. There again, knowledge, knowing. What's the two adjectives? Adverbs, you might say. The spirit of wisdom. And the spirit of revelation. And how does that come to fruition? In knowing him. Knowing him. That I might know him. You see, if you can know Jesus, you'll know the Father. Hallelujah. Jesus told the disciples, he told Philip, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, if there's no Father That's the most asinine statement Christ could have ever made. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When you know Jesus, you know the Father. I hope you're getting this today. This is kind of not on point or topic about darkness, but it's about knowing. Knowledge is knowing. And when you get the knowledge, you also pray for the understanding of what now you know You get the understanding of what you know. You know, we, we had the mathematical uh, multiplication table when I was in, in school, 8 eight is 64, 8 fours is 32, all by memorization. So instead of having to sit down and write 8, 8, 8, 8, and add it up, you say that's 4 h is 32, but the reason I know that is because I have the ability, you have the ability to write down that number eight four times and add it up. But in a multiplication table, you don't have to do that. Twelve twelves are 44. Ten twelves are 120. You see, we we know that because it's factual. You can sit down and add it up. But the multiplication table makes it more quicker. This is what it means to have knowledge of God coupled with wisdom and revelation. And then you get to know God because you know the Son. You know the Son. As a father of two boys, two young men, they have some of my characteristics, some of which I'm thankful and grateful and proud of, and some I'm ashamed of. Yeah. But, that's genetically passed down to them. And I could see that in them mannerism, behavior, speech, thought process, whatever. I was telling a gentleman yesterday we are just stewards of our children. And while I had them in my home, and I still have the youngest, he's 20, 24, he'll be 25 in October, uh, August, he's still at home. I still influence his life. I influence his life to this day. At night I, I try to pour into him wisdom, knowledge, understanding. Why? He's in my presence. He knows me. And if it if it didn't but 20 minutes, I'm always thinking, what can I give him as far as wisdom and knowledge to make him a better man? That that's on my mind. Now I can do a limited amount with my daughters, but I'm not a woman, so I cannot convey those things because I don't have the knowledge, neither the wisdom nor the revelation. But when it comes to God, you can have as much of God, you can get as close to God as you want to get. You can have great, great knowledge of God, and and God has secret things. Uh, Matthew 25, 14, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. God has divine secrets. You'll never get to know those secrets until you get into the presence of God. See, I want to know more about God. I'm always amazed at how the Holy Spirit can take a program that I didn't mean to go there at all because I'm supposed to be teaching on the darkness. Maybe this is why the Holy Spirit's gone this way. When the darkness comes, we're going to know how to commune with God. We're going to know. We're going to have, Because we have the knowledge, the knowledge of him. Knowing him. You know, when you know people, you know what they like, what they don't like, like their, their clothes or maybe foods or drinks or whatever that they like. It's, you know that because you know them. See, Job, I know my Redeemer liveth. He had knowledge of God. This is why when you read the Bible, you understand God has imparted into these men great, astounding words. And those words are not for him. Those words are for you and I. We we need to have those words to help us to understand who God is. I love old Job. Bless his heart, he said, if I can just get an audience with God, God will understand my crisis. God will understand my dilemma. God will know exactly how to deal with all of this. And he finally got his audience with God. And boy, did God crack the whip. And he says things to Job like, where were you when I created the foundations of the earth? If thou hast understanding, declare it unto me. Where were you when I made everything out of nothing, Job? You know, finally, Job, the light goes off, and Job says, I I think I've said too much. I believe I'll put my hand over my mouth, and I have already overspoken because I don't have a clue what I'm talking about. See, sometimes we think we know what we're talking about, but we. At the end of the day, we don't know. Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Where was that when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you, Job? Declare if thou hast understanding. But see, through job's dilemma crisis, he he come to know he come to understand these things. But, oh, yeah, God, God put him in his place. He said in Job 38, two, who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge, without knowing? See, we do that. God understands that. That's why he, and he only understands that through his son Jesus because Jesus Fills our weaknesses, our fragility, our infirmities. And so when God says to Job out of the whirlwind, who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Hey, pal, how is it you think you can actually darken my counsel? You cast shadow on me, God, Elohim? You, you don't like the way I run things? Oh, what an amazing, amazing God we serve. And to think we can know him. Philippians 3, that I might know him and the powers of his resurrection, that I might know him in sufferings. You hear anybody preach to know God through, by and in suffering? Oh no. God's a good God. He just wants to bless, 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 bless. Well, then why why does Paul say that? Why does Paul say that he might know him in sufferings? Because if you follow Christ, there will be times of suffering. Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. God bless you. I'll see you tomorrow in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Voice of Evangelism with David Langford is brought to you by the faithful listeners and supporters throughout America. If you're looking for an uncompromising message, we invite you to tune in each week to The Voice of Evangelism. For more information, write to The Voice of Evangelism at P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020. That's P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020.